No one is safe or exempt from industry disruptors, including higher education. Meaning, in every segment of business, nonprofit, religious, governmental, and educational institutions, those who refuse to change or are okay with remaining complacent get left behind. On this episode, we're sitting down with the Indiana State Workforce Cabinet Chairman, Danny Lopez, who's sharing incredible opportunities for not just the state of Indiana, but for each individual citizen. From the rural cornfields of New Amsterdam to the bustling infrastructure of downtown Indianapolis, we're taking a critical assessment of how we can work together for the elevation of the great Hoosier State. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Thank you so much for spending some of your valuable time with us this week. Our mission on this show is to help organizations make better business decisions. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to the Kelly family. We release a new episode every Monday. And as you can see, our shows are around 25 to 30 minutes with some that are even shorter because we understand your time is a precious resource. And to all of those helping our show grow by sharing us on social media, rating and reviewing our podcast, and recommending us to colleagues, we are so grateful and honored for your support. If you have not already, be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you can get the latest episode straight to your device. Well, this week, we have a special treat for you. Phil Powell and I sat down with the State Workforce Cabinet Chairman, Danny Lopez, to engage in a conversation about how education and the current job markets are changing. And as you know, our goal for all of us is to critically examine ourselves, the leader, because an organization is only as good as the people leading the charge. So as an institute for post-secondary education, we are going to take a look at ourselves and recognize opportunities for growth, because as leaders, we cannot expect others to change if we ourselves are not willing to change first. So here is Phil Powell and Danny Lopez. It is such an honor to sit down with Governor Holcomb's State Workforce Cabinet Chair, Danny Lopez. Danny, Welcome to the ROI Podcast. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us about this very interesting position and you, how you came into leading this new cabinet. So uh, it, it has been an interesting transition. It is a, a significant uh, job just because, uh, you know, what, what I get to talk about all the time are the, are the very intentional investments that we've made in our infrastructure and bringing jobs here. I mean, we've had record job growth year after year, uh, going back successive administrations. We've we've had more and more funding in in K twelve. Um, you know, you've, if you've been following the news, you know the governor just uh, committed another ninety million dollars to trails to connect trails, uh, biking trails and hiking trails all throughout the state as a quality of life initiative. Another hundred million in rural broadband. So I mean, the investments. Um, there there aren't very many states of our peer states that are making these kinds of investments. The challenge that we continue to run into is in order for us to continue to punch above our weight you know, on a global scale, we spend, the governor uh, spends an inordinate amount of 
mental energy, resources, time, uh, making sure we're positioning Indiana as a global uh, player, right, on the economic development stage. He likes to take, you know, talk talk about taking Indiana to the world and bringing the world to Indiana. He's committed to that as a big, big piece of who he is personally and what he's about as governor. Well, if you're going to continue to do that and punch above your weight, you've got to have a workforce to match. You've got to have a workforce that not only is equipped for those types of jobs and that type of an economy right now, but it's also nimble enough to evolve as the uh, as the economy revol- evolves, and the and so you've got to have a workforce that can evolve and that can keep up, and so uh, that means you got to have a K twelve system that can that can keep up. You've got to have adult workforce programming that can keep up. You've got to have institutions of higher education that uh, understand that their role is changing and evolving uh, as well. We're fortunate that we've got a lot of those those pieces in Indiana. Um, what the governor has asked me to do is essentially sit atop a lot of those systems and ensure that silos are being broken down and that we're all shooting towards some of the same targets across the state. And of course, this is all about attracting folks to the cities and towns in Indiana. I got an interesting question here. How can nature trails be part of a talent strategy for the state? People want to be where, where there are assets that they, you know, that they can connect with and they can use. And I think those are, we, we've heard that time and again from our, you know, our economic development, our job growth strategy has been, um, has been stellar for, for the better part of two decades. Um, but even that is evolving because the needs of employers are, are, are evolving. So when employers say, well, we've got to be able to attract talent from all over, or we've got to be able to keep talent in Indiana, how do we do that uh, beyond just being in, uh, you know, either in a college town or in central Indiana or on Mass Avenue? How do we ensure that there's something there for younger workers? And it isn't what you necessarily would think. It's things like trails. Um, so those are things that contribute to quality of life. And, and the state has for a long time invested in uh, something called Stellar Communities, which really focuses on smaller communities and bumps those communities to the front of the line for, for projects, that they've infrastructure projects they've got going on, whether that's, whether that's roads, whether that's uh, facade work, uh, downtown work. Um, but it bumps those communities to the front of the line, so it's a designation. And it's, it's invested millions of dollars in these communities. And when you think about the transformation that's happened in Corridon, for example, and what, what Harrison County built around Corridon looks like now as opposed to what it looked like 10 years ago, uh, it's come a, a, a really long way. And there's communities like that uh, all, over the, all over the state. And it's because they figured out that if, if you're going to be attractive to younger people, younger workers, you're absolutely right. Younger workers are, are going to find where they want to be. And because of the ability to telework or the ability to be connected all the time, you don't necessarily have to. I can't tell you the number of my friends that aren't in an office all the time. Uh, that's a change. And if you know if that's the case, then you want to be someplace where you want to live. And those assets become super important. And so uh, this governor has has made it a priority to invest in those types of assets. Um, and we're going to continue to do so. There's no end in sight for, for those types of programs. You know, Danny, being a labor economist, I see this really about a pipeline of talent, a pipeline that starts at early childhood education and extends all the way even past undergraduate and into graduate school, making sure that talent is produced for the industries that drive a region. As we look at the state and fulfilling its talent needs, how do we go from a landscape of traditional siloed academic credentials at institutions that sort of do their own thing to a seamless and connected system of skill development 
for the entire state workforce. I think it's leadership. And I think, by the way, it's happening. I think if you look at uh, the stuff that's happening at Indiana University, but also the stuff that's happening at Purdue, the stuff that's happening at Ball State, the stuff that's happening with our independent colleges, uh, I mean, the stuff that's happening in higher education, I mean, you know, institutions that work with business collaboratively, work with K-12 collaboratively, and understand that this is a pipeline along which you're moving people, and you've got to be able to plug people in at different parts of this pipeline and get them the tools that they need to get to their next level. Uh, Higher ed institutions are already doing this with the the focus on career connections that really didn't used to be much of a a piece of this, a a focus on taking uh, kids that are maybe 21st century scholars or or kids that are coming from different types of backgrounds and putting support systems on campus in place uh, to help those uh, students not only persist but get to graduation, get to completion, and then move on and get to get to uh, in, in, you know meaningful employment, uh, high wage employment. One of the things that we're trying to do is really challenge whether it's the nine twelve space or higher ed institutions to think about their accountability differently, how how they're held accountable differently. And I know that's a word that gets that's charged, right? Accountability is a, is a, is a charged term. Uh, but the reality is that we've got to get our, uh, our, our, our high schools thinking differently about what their role is in moving kids into lifelong learning and professional success. And institutions of higher ed, the same thing. It isn't about getting somebody on campus anymore, providing them with information, and then they walk out the door, and then you've got an alumni network that may or may not be engaged or whatever the case is. It's about moving those kids along that pipeline, getting them information, but getting information that's been validated by employers, getting them information that's meaningful for a changing economy, and then and then helping them get placed and ensuring that you're actually building a culture of lifelong learning. Higher ed can be that. I think we're seeing that. I mean, I think um, the way it's going to continue to move in that direction is with leadership, but I also know that as a uh, as a new, as we've seen, new generations of, uh, of higher education presidents and chancellors and leaders come through, they've all under, they've come through a different system and they've all understood that their role has evolved quite a bit. You know, Danny, this is very interesting stuff. You know, according to some of our own research, and of course, no surprise to you, the Indiana labor force is projected to grow only a half percent per year through 2045. So what does this mean? This means if the Indiana economy is going to grow, it has to be about rallying our educational institutions to elevate the production capacity of our existing workforce. From your perspective, how is the administration specifically thinking about addressing these challenges? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's an interesting question. I, I think when you think about the progress that's being made, 21st century scholars is a good example. Um, that is the one... Uh, the the one funding stream and program where we're seeing significant uh, completion gains over their cohorts that aren't 21st century scholars, and these are all low-income kids, minority kids uh, that are first-time, you know, first-generation students that are now enrolled in post-secondary. Um, and the way that that program has evolved over time, from a purely a funding stream to now being a structured. 
um, program that really wraps its arms around the student and the student's family to try to get them to completion. You're seeing those gains already. And what is only going to happen, I mean, I come from, as I, we moved here from Miami 10 years ago, and what the evolution in, in, in Miami really happened because you had people that had varying levels of success, but they all had common experience, set of experiences, and they all reinvested in their, those neighborhoods because grandma still lived in Little Havana or, or whatever the case was. And so there was, a, there was always a tie back to something that was common, regardless of where you ended up uh, professionally or, or, or in life. And I think that one of the challenges that we have in Indiana is cultivating the type of organic leadership out of these neighborhoods that are going to turn around and reinvest. The solutions in the Hispanic neighborhoods, for example, can't come from, from me. They've got to come from kids that came out of those neighborhoods and understand the realities of those neighborhoods and can turn around and reinvest. Same thing in the Burmese community, same thing in the Haitian community, same thing in the African-American or the Asian community. And, and frankly, same thing in the rural white communities as well. Uh, you need people that understand those experiences, have success, and then turn around and reinvest. And I think to the degree that we can cultivate that, we're going to see, we're already seeing, but we're going to continue to see pretty significant changes in those neighborhoods. And I think, you know, as, as you have here in, India, in Indianapolis, uh, specifically, you've got two institutions in particular, IUPUI, you're all being one, that as an urban campus understand the, 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 uh, both the benefits and the challenges that come with being in the middle of an urban core area. Uh, Marion University is another one that's right in the middle. You see what President Elsner is doing, challenging the neighborhoods to get better and challenging his staff to be ingrained in the neighborhoods. And I think when you have institutions like yours and like Dan's uh, focused on on community-centric programming and, and focus more broadly on what impacts your campus have your campuses have on the greater community at large, uh, you'll, you will see uh, those changes to continue. You know, Danny, as we speak about these issues, we immediately picture urban areas in our mind. And a lot of the conversation is how do we bring the best and brightest to the big cities in Indiana? But from the governor's perspective, when you look at the talent issue, what are some specific issues you see with many of the rural areas? How do we drive good talent to the rural areas? Because those areas are just as deserving of, of a productive workforce as are the big cities. And what are some approaches here that complement the larger strategy? Well, I mean, I think without a doubt, uh, I don't think it's any surprise. I mean, you're, you're seeing this globally. You're seeing a, a, a real uh, consolidation of population in urban core areas. I mean, that's just the reality. And so, um, you know, our, our rural communities have, many of them have figured, begun to figure out how to create the types of quality of place initiatives uh, that they need to be able to, to, to keep talent here. Um, you know, and I think our university, colleges and universities that are that are located in some of those areas uh, have figured out that they have a role to play as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's a that's an ongoing challenge. I think you've got uh, groups like in Madison or in Jasper, Indiana, that have figured out, like Jasper Engines has figured out, we're going to partner with the schools, we're going to get into the schools, we're going to produce. Um, technical and, and, and career education programs that are actually relevant to students and we're going to try our best to keep them in the area and they're seeing success rates because those kids are now invested in an employer and the employer is invested in them and the schools. Uh, I think those are the types of initiatives that you're going to have to continue to build on um, but I, I honestly think that we've got counties that uh, that are going to have to figure out what they want to be and how they continue to evolve. And it's a challenge for them when they continue to lose population. And we don't see fertility rates increasing anywhere in the world. That's not an Indiana problem. That's not even an American problem. That's an, that's an international problem. Um, 
I think regional cities started to do that, right? It, it forced regions uh, to, to think more holistically about uh, how they plan, uh, what they are, what their tieback is to a major core uh, urban core area. Uh, and I think to the degree that we can get these communities thinking uh, regionally, controlling their dollars, but thinking regionally, get these counties bought into the fact that they're, they're part of something larger and greater than just that county, uh, we'll have more success in, in turning those counties around. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week. Tune in next Monday as we continue our conversation with Danny Lopez, State Workforce Cabinet Chairman for the State of Indiana. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.